Welcome to the Ignite Physio Podcast. This is episode number eight, and I'm your host, Andrew Kopian. I want to thank you for joining me on the show today. I know as clinicians, it can be a challenge staying on top of the latest research, and our goal is to make that a little bit easier with our research roundups. Here again with me is Russ Gothard. He's a physiotherapy student at the U of A, and Russ and I will be chatting about a study looking at the diagnostic accuracy of various imaging modalities for suspected stress fractures in the lower extremity. Welcome to the show, Russ. Thanks for having me on again, Andrew. So tell me a little bit about this study. Well, today, like you mentioned, we're talking about diagnostic imaging for suspected stress fractures with a study by Wright and friends out of North Carolina. The name of the study is a mouthful. It's uh, Diagnostic Accuracy of Various Imaging Modalities for Suspected Lower Extremity Stress Fractures, a Systematic Review with Evidence-Based Recommendations for Clinical Practice. Now, it's a pretty large systematic review, and it investigates how accurate various diagnostic imaging modalities are for diagnosing stress fractures in the lower extremity. The researchers analyze the sensitivity and specificity of each modality, and then the best part, they come up with an algorithm of when to use which modality. Yeah, that's, that's uh, really interesting, because when I was reading the study, their opening line was that stress fractures are the most common overuse injuries in physically active adults, and something that I didn't realize was as prevalent as, uh, as they stated. So, so tell me what intrigued you uh, about this study. Well, because stress fractures are tricky things. They have a wide variation in presentation. Sometimes they're very painful. Other times they're not. They usually get worse with weight bearing and usually get better when at rest, but not always. Palpation might exacerbate the pain, but it might not. But it's important to be able to diagnose stress fractures accurately, especially if they're in a common and clinically important location, such as the neck of the femur or the base of the fifth metatarsal. So what did this, the authors share about the uh, current challenges with the diagnosing stress fractures? Yeah, so that's the thing. We don't really have a nice, easy, reliable, and cheap way of diagnosing stress fractures right now. X-rays uh, miss up to about 85% of newly formed stress fractures. Nuclear bone scans, where they inject radioactive tracers into the blood that are preferentially taken into freshly healing bone, they're better at detecting them, but they're still not great. And with nuclear scans, you're also ex exposed to about 200 times the radiation as uh, what you get with a chest x-ray. MRIs are the gold standard, but even they aren't perfect, and due to limited resources, you can't just throw every person with a sore toe into an MRI machine. At the moment, primary providers dealing with the suspected stress fractures will probably order x-rays and hope they catch the break, and the x-rays probably won't catch it. In the meantime, the patient is exacerbating the fracture and creating more of a problem, potentially leading to a full fracture. Yeah, it's true. It's definitely something that can be a bit of a challenge uh, to uh, identify in the clinic and, you know, especially to know when to escalate uh, further uh, imaging. Uh, can you share a little bit more about what the nuts and bolts of this study were with, uh, for our uh, listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, so the researchers looked at about 4,000 studies involving diagnostic imaging and stress fractures. In the end, though, only about 21 were applicable and had a high enough quality to be included in the, in the systematic review. And what they found was that existing literature reports a huge variation in the accuracy of imaging for diagnosing stress fractures. They were able to take the data out of the study and run their own numbers. What they found wasn't super surprising. MRI is the best, with sensitivity and specificity both up to 97%, depending on who you read. MRI can also detect a stress fracture when it first appears in comparison to x-rays, which usually aren't able to detect a stress fracture until weeks after, it, uh, weeks after it occurs. Ultrasound imaging is promising. It seems to be really good at detecting stress fractures, but also possibly has a high false positive rate, but there's not enough data yet to know for sure. And nuclear bone scintography is the next best after MRI, but it comes with a lot of drawbacks, which is primarily radiation exposure. So like I said, x-ray and CTs, they're not great. 
like I said, they can miss up to 85% of stress fractures, especially when they first appear. And because they have a pretty high false negative rate, if nothing is seen on the film and the patient doesn't recover, an MRI will probably be necessary anyways. Which brings us to the coolest part of the study. And, and what's that, uh, Russ? Well, the researchers came up with an algorithm for dealing with suspected stress fractures. Well, I did come across that algorithm in the study, and I, and I definitely uh, liked what I saw there. Can you walk us through that uh, fairly quickly? Ah, for sure. Uh, and bear in mind, this is for an ideal world with infinite resources, so it's not totally realistic, but it's still a good thing to think about. So they say for a suspected stress fracture at the lower extremity, they recommend to still start with an x-ray. So if it's positive, great, treat it as a stress fracture. If the x-ray is negative, though, be cautious because x-rays miss most of these stress fractures anyway. If it's in a high-risk site, try to get an MRI. If it's not in a high-risk site or if MRI isn't available due to resources or other reasons, they recommend to treat a suspected stress fracture as an actual stress fracture for the first two to three weeks and then repeat the x-ray. This is because x-rays are much better at picking up stress fractures weeks afterwards. If the second x-ray is still negative and the symptoms have cleared up, they recommend to be cautious for two to three more weeks, but patients can probably move into a more active recovery trajectory. However, if there still are symptoms after the second x-ray, it's MRI time. Yeah, I really like uh, how they've uh, packaged that information to make it uh, really practical in the clinic. Yeah, given how tricky stress fractures are to diagnose, it's a nice little tool if you're, uh, if you're not currently using anything. So tell me, are there any uh, weaknesses to the study that you uh, came across? A couple, yeah. I mean, uh, firstly, there were a lot of weak studies to begin with. Like I said, they, they, they screened over 4,000 studies and only included 21. These were the best studies they could find, but even still, half of these for MRI, CT, and x-rays were considered moderate or low-quality studies according to Equatus, a tool used for checking study quality. This creates directly another weakness. All their recommendations are based only on moderate evidence, except for their recommendation for ultrasound, which is based on high evidence. Problem is, there isn't a lot of evidence for ultrasound and is conflicting, so their recommendation is needs more research. But overall, it's a good study and has a good message. So uh, tell me, what, what is the take-home message uh, from, from what you read? That MRI is still really the only way to know for sure if a suspected fra stress fracture is actually a stress fracture. Also, that X-rays and CTs are terrible at picking up stress fractures that anything nuclear might be good at picking up little fractures, but they're also really, really bad for your DNA. So if in doubt, treat as if it's a stress fracture and be very skeptical of diagnostic imaging that says there's no stress fracture there. Hey, well, thanks, uh, thanks for being uh, on the show, Russ. I really appreciate that. Thanks, Andrew. Awesome. So to find the show notes for this episode, just head over to the Ignite Physio website at ignitephysio.ca forward slash, slash blog to find the podcast. Um, and if you haven't yet, I'd love for you to subscribe to our show on iTunes and feel free to leave a review so that uh, this will help other physiotherapists find the show. If you have any questions, topic ideas, or be interested in being a part of the show, let me know by dropping me a line at hello at ignitephysio.ca. Take care.